Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, As we are in uh, the month of August here and we're getting nearer and nearer to election time, next year for the president's, uh, we're going to talk to one Cleveland author who I've known for a few years now. His name is Peter Jettick, and uh, he has some interest in the presidential race. Peter, thank you for joining us. Hey, Dick, thanks for having me. Always good. You're an author and also a graduate of Kent State University. Yeah, we go all the way back, eh? We did. How, how did we meet? Well, uh, you were the RA in the dorm when I was a freshman uh, at Clark Hall at Kent State many years ago. Many years ago, and you uh, you rose immediately as president yep. of the the dormitory. So yeah. that was good. You you wield a lot of power uh, at that point. I remember. <laughs> so I don't even know what I did as president at the dorm. Well, I don't know. Well, what what brings us to, to talking today is that um, you're an author. You uh, tell us about your author uh, history here. How many books have you written, and what's your latest? I've written four books, uh, two on the history of Cleveland, and I wrote two novels. The first one actually was about, it's called Hippies. That's about Kent State shootings when we were there, May 4th, 1970, the tragedy when four students were shot by the National Guard. It's a novel written around that time, about like a love story, but set at that time. And then my latest book is a West Tech Terrorist. That's another love story set in a high school in my dad's era in the 1940s at my high school because we both went to the same high school. And oh, that's nice. Of, so that was pretty interesting. Oh, oh, very. Now, you wrote something that got picked up by the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, the other day. And uh, tell us about that. Something We're, we're talking about the uh, the presidential elections. And, of course, you've been a president of a dormitory at Kent State, and that makes you qualified to run for president of the United States. Tell us about that. Well, that's what I did. I wrote a kind of a humor column, satire about uh, these, these Democratic national debates. I couldn't believe these people uh, watching uh, uh, these people who want to be president and their qualifications. So I wrote a kind of a satire. I was president of my high school class at West Tech, and I was president of my dorm at Kent State. So I think I almost had the same qualifications as a lot of these uh, presidential contenders do. And so I wrote a column about it, kind of got some good feedback on it. Well, it's interesting. Uh, in the column, it's sort of a clever column. It, it talks about the uh, the perks of, of being president. Once you become president, uh, uh, tell us some of the things that you, know, you recognize as being perks. Well, I thought it was a great job. I was thinking, about, I can see why they're all running. You know, you get your own uh, free, free room and board for four years or eight years. You get fly on your own private jet. You get to go all of these state dinners and eat like a king. And I thought, hey, this isn't a bad gig. And plus... If you lose, like the Clintons, like Hillary, you go around and still give speeches and get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to give speeches, and even if you lose. So, hey, what's the downside? So I might as well run for president, too. It sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that's good. Uh, were you surprised uh, the plane dealer picked it up? Yeah, I was, actually, because I kind of mark out these uh, Democratic hopefuls, and I was kind of surprised when they picked it up. And it shows they're trying to do both sides of the aisle here, so... You, you've been a political watcher for years. I know we've talked on and off over these past years and somewhat stayed in touch. Uh, what do you think of the state of politics right now as, as we have it? Uh, it's, I think it's pretty sad. You know, it's, these both sides are trying, kind of dug into trenches. And, uh, you know, I got to kind of, I, I, I always try to, you know, I, even my short terms as president, you try to bring everybody together, you know. You, you know, if you win or you lose, you, you, know, you try to bury the hatchet at, once you take over and, get things done you know you're there for a reason so everyone's kind of way entrenched by now both sides are i don't know it's really tough tough time to be in politics i guess well that that's true plus if you're a politician uh, i think trump said the uh, other day or a couple of weeks ago that uh, if he nominates someone for a position uh, the vetting is done by the media and and i think what he means by that is the media will jump all over anybody and go way into their deep past and, and uh, pick on whatever they want to pick on and focus on it. So I, I think being a politician today puts everyone at risk, un- unless you've grown up uh, and you were the perfect person, never said anything off-color, never said anything wrong, <laughs> and always treated everyone with respect and dignity. Oh, yeah, that's tough. I don't, they're, they're gonna, what they're going to do is scare people away. No one's going to want to run for office and... 
you know, who wants to go through all that trouble and have the press, you know, you know like the Supreme Court candidate, Kevin Carvanel. You know, they're going to look what you did in high school. You went out drinking in high school with some friends, and they're going to bring that up. I mean, that's crazy. Oh, they did make a point that he still had his calendar, and they questioned uh-huh. everything that was on the calendar. So I, I don't know if I would have saved my calendar. Uh, <laughs> well, I know I don't have any calendars, but that that would have been wild. But uh, you mentioned also that you uh, talked about Dennis Kucinich and running for mayor of Cleveland. When when did that happen? Uh, this is kind of funny. And back in 1977, when Kucinich was first running for mayor of Cleveland, most of the Clevelanders know Kucinich. He's pretty much of a liberal Democrat, and he was way out left too. He was pretty far left. This kind of like Bernie Sanders. And um, and I just came back. I traveled around the United States, Europe. I saw all these great cities, and I thought Cleveland could be a great city. But at the time, it was really in bad shape. I mean, it was crime, pollution. It was ba- almost bankrupt. And his big thing was save the muni light plant, municipal light versus the big business of CEI. So I thought, man, you should be talking about these other subjects. So I went and started my own uh, political party, the Party in the Park, which was named after the uh, parties in the park they were throwing back then to get try to get young people downtown. Right. Yeah. So in order to get on this ballot, I had to get signatures. So I was on Public Square with my couple of my friends uh, collecting signatures to run against them. I just wanted to, just, I didn't really want the job. I just wanted to bring up the, how crazy this election was. And I happened to be a TV guy caught wind of it. He put me on television, so that was that was pretty cool. Going, going back to the Democratic uh, campaigns and, and with all of the candidates out there, uh, how do you see this playing out? Uh, I don't know. I think are, are all 20, of, all, all 20 of them going to kill each other till there's only three standing or what? Yeah, I guess. But I think Joe Biden's going to come out on top because, you know, he's kind of a little more center. And uh, I don't know. I don't think the party will go to that left. We never know. If it goes way left, they're going to have a big problem, you know, because I think the, the average American doesn't want to hear a lot of that stuff that they're promised. That's what I put in my article, too. I'd be the king of free stuff. You know, it's like, I want to get elected by giving away everything for free, you know, free education, free tuition, free uh uh, free health care, everything's for free. Someone's got to pay for it. I think most Americans realize somebody's got to pay for it. Well, that's right, like every other politician then, promising everything for free. And uh, yeah, how many politicians have been known to break promises over the years? Once they get in, uh, where do those promises go? Yeah, how much money do they put in their own pocket? That's what I've always said. They should look, if they want to research something, they should look at these guys when before they became a congressman. And how much money he had. Like, you know, here, Trump, he was a billionaire before he became president. But how many of these guys went to politics, had no money until they became kind of Congress, now they're millionaires, you know. That's what I think that should be investigated, but no, the media doesn't want to touch that. Well, it, it's uh, something that's been changing and evolving over the years. Uh, let's look a little closer to home here. How's Cleveland doing now? You still live in Cleveland? Well, I'm a suburb of Cleveland, Rocky River. Yeah, Cleveland's great. I think it's a, it's a, it still hasn't been noticed, but it's a great city, and it's really turned around. And the guy who turned it around after Kucinich took it to the verge of bankruptcy was a, a Republican mayor. They finally, after the Democrats were running it all those years, uh, George Voinovich, the Republican, came in, cleaned up the city, put, got the business people to help him, and, and he made it financially set, and he saved it, and... Uh, he doesn't get enough credit for that, I don't think. But uh, that's about when I changed from Democrat to Republican was when that was going on. I started changing my views, too. What was it that made you change from a Democrat to Republican? What, why Republican? Because nowadays, I, I picture both political parties. Uh, they should have their own flags and their, their uh-huh. own, you know, we have the, uh, the the blue Democrats and the red Republicans. Sort of sounds like the game of Stratego. Remember that at Kansas uh-huh. years ago? Uh, the, the big game is uh, both sides try to kill each other, and then uh, whoever gets the flag wins the game. Uh, and in playing that game, there's no compromise, just like politics. Yeah. Right now you have the left and the right, and uh, people uh, start out and end the game by digging their heels in. So uh, we, we've had a change in government over the years uh, at the county level. And uh, have you been watching that along with uh, the other politics? Yeah, this is Clark County, still pretty much of a Democratic county, and Cleveland's still a pretty heavy Democratic city. There's a few Republicans in the in the, cow, in the county now that they have a more of a of a you know, county uh, president and county you know uh, Congress kind of con- and, and there's a few Republican representatives, but 
still mostly Democrat. Well, so do they make any improvement in uh, getting rid of the county commissioner form of government and uh, going on with the county council? Have, have you had any feel for that? No, I don't think so. That, that county commissioners are pretty corrupt. And, uh, well, they're in jail, they most it. of them. Huh? <laughs> so, some of them are in jail yet, so oh, that, yeah. that's the end of some that story. Jail. They, because it was the same thing. It's a one-party system. You can't have a one. You know, I'm a Republican, but I wouldn't want to be all Republican because that's like the Soviet Union. You know, Soviet Union, you're a communist or you're in jail, you know? So, well, same that, thing. Well, that's got, true. It's not good to have a one-party system. Well, we're talking to... Uh, we're talking to Cleveland author and uh, political commentator Pete Jeddak, Kent State graduate, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be back again with Pete and find out what's going on in local politics. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back with you. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle, you will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Back Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And tonight we're talking to uh, author and political commentator and humorist Peter Jeddak, Kent State graduate. And I say that because that's where we met 
many years ago. Peter, again, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, John. Nick, it's great to be on. Yeah, it's great, great having you because uh, it's good to step back and take a common sense look at what's going on. And uh, I know I've, as we've been talking, uh, not only tonight but over the years, that uh, common sense seems to be what I think most people expect out of the performance of their government. And uh, many times they don't hear it, and they just hear the the dug-in heels, like I mentioned earlier, and you end up uh, not not getting things done. Uh, so I, I know you, you joke about running for office. Have you ever recently seriously considered running for an office where you can actually get in and make a difference? No, I mean, I've, I've always thought about it, but I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a really tough job. Like I said, they're going to chase people away because uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, just to get there and all the, the press scrutiny of your whole life, like you said, going back to your childhood. But, you know, I did mention in this article what an easy job the senators have. That If you want to talk about that a little bit, I kind of gave them a dig. Well, sure. We're talking about, well, U.S. senators... Uh uh, I know that the office of U.S. Senator, like office of a U.S. Representative, is so structured and based on tradition with the chief of staff and you have your assistants and your researchers and legislative assistants uh, that uh, there's, there's a lot of work to do that doesn't really make it into the media. Uh, but, uh, for example, we just recently had shootings in Dayton, Ohio, as well as in El Paso, Texas, and uh, we, we haven't really heard much from a lot of the, uh, especially a lot of the Republican senators. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Why, why are they keeping their heads down here? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I guess because, you know, the, the way I look at those shootings, those are just a couple of nutcases. And, you know, you can't really, uh, I don't think, no matter what legislation you pass, it's kind of hard to find every nutcase in America. You know, I've got 250 million people live here. Two nutcases go crazy and kill people, and you know you try to weed them out, but it's not easy. And I think I guess if you look at this uh, history, of those guys, they somebody in the law enforcement should have picked them up earlier. But it's easy to go back and criticize, you know. So, well, that that's a key comment you made is that you, know, you, you try to uh, pick them out, and, and how do you pick them out, and how do you have a federal or a state program? that's going to have everybody turn in anyone who seems a little strange. Uh, and ha- they have no criminal record, usually, and uh, yet they're, they're ready to snap. And I, I think that's probably the biggest dilemma, and that's why we never hear anyone recommend that. I, I think Governor DeWine now is talking about uh, some type of an initiative dealing with uh, mentally ill people. And uh, But, you know, there's a spectrum of mental illness where... Uh, I suppose each of us has some form of abnormality somewhere. Would we fall into one of the categories that a federal program or a state program would have labeling us as being uh, emotionally on a watch list? Yeah, Uh, that's the problem with any of that. That's why the Second Amendment is so important, because I don't have a gun. But if I want to get a gun, I'd like to get a gun. I don't want somebody to say, oh, when you were in in college, you you were a protester against the war, so... uh, you know, you can't have a gun, you know. Something like that could come up, you know. I mean, anytime you let the federal... I don't like trust the federal government. Anytime they let the federal government get involved uh, with stuff that gets kind of scary, I think they... Especially health care, I think they could really screw up health care. So uh, I'd rather just have them stay out of it. That's why I talk about the senators having such an easy gig. What does a senator do, do to qualify for president? They vote on stuff. I mean, they vote on stuff, big deal. I mean, you know what I mean? How does that, you know, if you're president, you have to actually run the country and run the economy and run the military. It's a lot different than voting on stuff. So I don't see these, uh, all these senators running for president being very well qualified. That's, well, I sure. did it in a humorous fashion in my, uh, in my column here. Well, good, good point. But, you know, uh, if you look at that as a, uh, as a guide, you can see that we have uh, governors who are governing states. And they get that hands-on experience of governing a bunch of agencies and spending a lot of money and taking care of a lot of people. And uh, so that's probably, like you're right, probably closer to being ripe to be a president, uh, to come from a governor perspective, than than not. You know, uh, uh, Nick, you hit the nail on the head. That's what I've always said. Governors make good presidents, like Ronald Reagan. You know, he's a governor of a big state, you know. 
But if you have these senators like Obama, he, what does Obama ever do besides vote on stuff? You know, that's that's why I don't think their senators are very qualified. You're right. Gov- I think governors make much better presidents than senators. Well, what's your take on Donald Trump? How's he doing as president? Oh, I like him. His personality just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. You know? Just about everybody the wrong way. <laughs> that, that's the problem. But his personality, you know, he's kind of got his ego going. But I think like it. He takes on people that have to... Here's what I tell people, the economy. I have never seen so many for higher signs in my life. You know, I've lived a long, healthy life. Every place I go has a for higher sign. Even, you know, not just fast food places, every fast food place, every place I go. Every business I stop into... Uh, I don't think I've gone to one place in the last six months that doesn't have a four hire sign. We're hiring. I'm talking about, I go to a lot of places with my different jobs and research and stuff. Almost every business I visit, small business, they're all hiring. So I think that's a really good sign, what he's doing. Well, if those signs are out there, that means there are more jobs than people willing to take them. That's right, exactly. So a sign of a good economy. And unemployment's been down for a while. But yeah, with, with regard to... Um, What's going to happen? You mentioned Hillary Clinton being a loser in the presidential election and going out making all this money as a speaker. Imagine the money Trump will make when he's done with his presidency. Uh, well, he doesn't need the money. That's what I like about him. That's why he can't be bought, you know. That's yeah, but he, that's why I liked. Uh, I liked. I, that's why I thought a good a good president would be someone that's already uh, you know like somebody's like somebody's generals like Eisenhower. You know, they 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 don't need the money and they they, got, they don't need the reputation. So, they, you know, they can just be themselves. And being himself, he turns a lot of people off, but he, I think he knows how to run things. Yeah. How, how do you see uh, what's going on in governments, uh, city, county, state, and federal government uh, next year? If we had the same conversation next year, what, what do you hope to have happened? Well, I hope the, the Republicans can just uh, take over the House and the Senate for just two years, and, you know, Trump gets reelected, so... They can get things done, like with the border problems. You know, they need a comprehensive a border bill. They can work out all the details and stuff like that. And you know, a lot of stuff just has to get done. And as long as they're fighting with each other, they won't get any. They can't get anything done. They can't even agree on a judge. You know, and, and so and stuff like that. So I'd like to see them for two years. And then if they want to flip around and let the Democrats run for a couple of years, I'm fine with that. Just you know, I don't, I don't like. I said I don't like one party rule, but. I think you're going to need something to happen to just get things done for the next couple of years. Well, you mentioned uh, the immigration issue. That's a, a problem long overdone. Very complicated. I haven't heard anyone actually talk about a comprehensive approach to dealing with all the different facets of the immigration problem. Uh, I hear people talking about one or two points and then getting angry. And right. then, then the conversation stops. We need uh, people to... Uh, you forget about the anger and, and let's sort of tough through and do the work part of uh, debating everything to its final conclusion and get the best answer we can get. Uh, do you see any of that happening in the near future? Uh, not with the present Congress. Like I said, you're going to need one party to, to be in charge of everything so they can get it through and uh, do it. And Hopefully they can do that because that's a big problem down there. I and mean, We could talk hours on that problem, but... You know, the problem is the big difference between legal immigration and illegal immigration. That's what seems to be when the media gets all of it. They seem to blur the two together. I think that's the biggest problem we have. Well, I, I think next year we're going to look for Pete Jettick's name to be on a petition somewhere and run for some political office. <laughs> uh, and I take it from the standpoint of why not get involved and uh, let your voice be heard from a position of power, uh, as it would be from any political position. But... Uh, you can take a look at Pete's article by going to cleveland.com. Uh, or what's the other? You have an email address yourself, Pete? Or I have website? a website, petergetic.com. You can look at that. And uh, and find that. Also, take a look at his books and, and see what he has to say about Cleveland. I think we always like reading books about Cleveland because uh, it's, it's kind of a neat thing to read about places that we uh, are familiar with, places that we can actually go. Uh, and uh, you you have that going for you, so uh, so very good. Uh, you were working on another book. What's happening, Pete? Yeah, well, I read a book about uh, my grade school. Uh, I wrote one about my based on my college experiences. I did one of my high school experiences. Now I'm going backwards, and my next one is about growing up in Cleveland. I had a great life growing up in Cleveland. Very very fascinating place. I lived in West Park area, Cleveland, so I got to experience the city life, but it was almost like a suburb. And, 
it was a great place to grow up, and I think I could write a nice, I get the time on to write a book, another novel, and make it entertaining about what it was like to grow up in Cleveland. Well, very good. Well, we're going to have to have a book also on, on your year at, at Clark Hall at, at Kent State University. Uh, that'd be good. That'd be crazy. It was crazy back then. Yeah. I don't know how you handle this. <laughs> that was before Xanax, so I don't know either. But many. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tonight. We're going to take a short break now and we'll be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK The Advocate. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage. Gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And, since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended, as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. WHK, Cleveland. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In uh, the next uh, segments, we're going to be talking to Eric Montgomery, uh, who is in charge of a very important reenactment program that's going to be going on uh, next weekend here in northern Ohio. Eric, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about uh, D-Day Conneaut. D-Day Conneaut, uh, I didn't uh, explain it's a reenactment of what, but we're talking about World War II reenactors, and this is a program that's been going on for some years. When when did this start? Uh, back in 1999, uh, a group of, uh, of uh, history enthusiasts uh, put together a little mock battle um, uh, for uh, celebration or commemoration of D-Day, uh, the landings in Normandy, France. And since that time, it has progressively 
uh, gotten larger and larger and larger from about 40 fellows in the first uh, uh, in the first uh, go round in in, uh, in 1999 to over 1800 for this year. Well, I, I, 1800 is going to be a lot of people. Uh, this is up in Conneaut uh, at the water. Conne- is it Conneaut on the lake or just Conneaut? No, it's uh, Conneaut, Ohio. It's on the shores of Lake Erie, uh, approximately uh, three, four miles from the Pennsylvania border. So it's a uh, is what the locals call it uh, the uh, Ohio's sharpest corner. And it's uh, as it as it meets there in uh, Pennsylvania, it is comes to a razor's edge there. So uh, that's uh, that's where the event takes place in Conneaut Township Park, um, August the fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. My uh, World War II veteran father just passed away last year at age 96, and uh, he he was very very typical of World War II veterans. Any of them that are around today are in their 90s, uh, and I know that we've been coming out there uh, over the years. My father uh, enjoyed coming out and and seeing what uh, the reenactors looked like because these are basically young people wearing World War II-era military uniforms, looking pretty much like they looked in the 1940s. And uh, so he, he did get such a uh, pleasure from going out there and actually having the reenactors uh, recognize him as a World War II veteran. He uh, particularly enjoyed that. Uh, the um, So we, we enjoyed coming out there, but it's been going on strong ever since. Tell us about the World War II veterans that were coming out there, and I, I assume they're just getting fewer each year. Uh, unfortunately, yes, and uh, the, the march of time and the sands of the hourglass have uh, uh, gotten a little thin in that top globe. And uh, But nevertheless, uh, I still have over 100 World War II veterans registered to come to this year's event. Last year I had a 166, and the year before that, uh, actually a little less, uh, which was uh, kind of surprising to me that uh, uh, in 2018 the, the population uh, actually excelled that of that uh, what what came to the event in 2017. The most that uh, that has ever been at uh, D-Day Ohio uh, over a weekend, and D-Day Conneaut, D-Day Ohio, Ohio being the, the parent organization of uh, D-Day Conneaut, um, I had uh, a little over 260 World War II veterans, uh, I believe in 2016, so that was uh, quite, a, quite a big showing there. But uh, regardless of the declining numbers, um, I, I believe D-Day uh, Conneaut is the largest gathering of World War II veterans anywhere in the country at any given point in time. And uh, we're very proud of that. And, and, of course, I work very, very hard uh, as manager of the veteran program. I don't oversee the whole entire event, but uh, the veteran program as a whole uh, falls on my domain. So uh, all year round I work on uh, getting World War II veterans to come to the event and uh, presenting them materials and assurances that uh, they're going to be well taken care of. Uh, just an observation that uh, for for any of us who come out to the event, and they'll be coming up next weekend, the um, 15th through 17th of August, uh, is that look for these World War II veterans, and they, they wear typically the World War II veterans hat, uh, the dark blue hat with the, uh, the, the, the yellow gold uh, embroidery on it. We always call that for my father his magic hat. Uh, if, if he didn't wear that hat, he would just be another really old guy, almost invisible to everybody else who's busy with life. But uh, when he'd have his World War II veteran hat on, uh, it, it uh, was inevitable. People would stop him. They would uh, shake hands with him. Women would give him hugs. I don't think he bought many breakfasts in the morning when he was out uh, having breakfast. So you know, for all of us there who've had World War II veteran parents who aren't with us anymore and, and we're out at this event and we see some of the few and some of the dying few World War II veterans uh, you know, sort of make their day as my father used to say, by just shaking their hands and thanking them for their service. But this is a place to see that. Uh, and as you mentioned, about 1,800 participants are going to be there. How, how many people can you actually take as, as spectators? Uh, it, on any given day, uh, I want to say about 22,000 would be the maximum that could be in the park. 
uh, without uh, becoming so uh, oversaturated that nobody has a good time. Uh, of course, if you you know if you I'll get uh, everybody in a punch bowl, which is basically what what that park is, especially for the uh, signature parts of the reenactment. Uh, there is uh, it's standing room only, that's for sure. Uh, but we take very good care of our World War II veterans, and also uh, after the uh, 70th anniversary of D-Day in 2014, I also um, added into the formal veteran program uh, Korean-era veterans. And, uh, of course, as, the, uh, as, as we march through that sand, um, uh, you know, it'll progress forward into Vietnam era, and then, of course, uh, uh, Kosovo, Somalia, and all the rest of the conflicts that we've had since um, since Vietnam. So, but we do take uh, very good care of uh, World War II veterans. And if any of your listeners are planning on bringing uh, their father or their mother that served in uh, in that time in World War II or through Korea, um, please uh, please uh, reach out to me through our website uh, and veterans page uh, on our website to uh, to get uh, get them registered for to attend the event. We will take care of them. What's the easiest way to get to your website? Well, certainly uh, any browser, and the website name is uh, ddayohio.us, so www.ddayohio.us. And uh, once you're there, there's a public portion, there's a veterans portion, and there's a reenactor portion. So uh, three main elements of the website, and uh, depending upon what you're interested in, and if you're coming as a spectator, obviously go to the public side of the porthole event information, and then of course, uh, if you are uh, planning on bringing a, a veteran, or you are a veteran yourself and want to attend, um, uh, certainly uh, uh, visit our veterans page, and it'll give you all the details. With uh, so many people coming into a, a park that's usually pretty quiet, uh, what about transportation, parking, and getting to the site? Well, the website uh, will show you exactly where our parking areas are, of course, with that many people, and, and of course, with the park being so saturated with uh, with not only living historians, um, including myself, which I am one as well, um, uh, but uh, obviously with all the encampments that are there, uh, we have to bus everyone in from remote parking areas and those areas are scattered all around Conneaut and we provide the transportation from those parking lots to the event site. Uh, the veterans have their own exclusive uh, veteran parking and so if you are a veteran from any era please feel free to use that veteran parking. Uh, that uh, parking map can be uh, can be um, acquired on the uh, veteran page of the website. So everyone is bussed in uh, there is no parking on site. We do have a few vehicles, obviously, the military vehicles, are obviously, that are running around the Jeeps and trucks and tanks and those types of things. Uh, but we also have um, our uh, first responders that are there. And uh, thanks for them to be there because, uh, uh, you know, we do have certain issues with weather, and you never can predict what it would be. And, uh, of course, uh, when you're playing with big toys, uh, accidents do happen. But we've been very, very fortunate. And, of course, at the age of um, many of the World War II veterans from 92 and up, our oldest veteran is 106 years old. Uh, you know, medical issues mm -hmm. do happen. So we do especially, have medical sure. Especially if it's a very hot day. Uh, is there any cost yeah. uh, to get in or cost for parking or anything? There's absolutely no cost to come to this event. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, that we can put something on. And when I say we, it's the it's the organizing committee called D-Day Ohio Incorporated. It's a 501c3. And, of course, we'll take any donation uh, material. Uh, of course, cash always works because we spend a, quite a bit of money on the, on the event. But it is absolutely 100% free, and we just encourage uh, people to be generous in their donations to help us continue this uh, educational mission. Well, that's outstanding. We're, we're talking to Eric Montgomery from uh, D-Day, Ohio, and uh, the Conneaut event coming up on the 15th through 17th of August. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Eric to talk more about the World War II D-Day reenactment in Conneaut. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
more than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I, at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. We're thinking about World War II veterans, and uh, fewer and fewer of them are around because of their age and how long ago World War II was. Uh, you can get a glimpse of what it looked like, sounded like, feels like uh, with World War II by going out to Conneaut uh, next weekend on the uh, 15th through 17th of August where there's going to be almost 2,000 reenactors uh, who are going to be dressed and equipped with World War II era equipment and uh, reenacting uh, uh, an amphibious landing. And with us uh, to talk about again, back with us, is Eric Montgomery. Eric, again, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for what you do and your group does uh, to bring this this back to us. Uh, So uh, with that, you know, we talked uh, during the break about um, a legion of honor. uh, That is something that uh, you guys do. Tell us about that. Well, at uh, 11.30 on Saturday uh, morning, uh, six fellows will be receiving from the French Republic the French Legion d'Honneur, and the Legion d'Honneur is the highest accolade that the French government can bestow upon a foreign national for doing something good for France. And of course, when we're talking World War II, we're talking about the liberation of France. And uh, six uh, veterans, three from Ohio, two from Pennsylvania, and one from New York, will be receiving uh, that highest honor at that uh, Legion of Honor presentation at 11.30 on Saturday. To me, that's the crown jewel of our veterans program, on top of all the fellows that come there and the speaking programs that I have for them and uh, the things that we do for them uh, at the event. Uh, we're showing them a good time as priority number one and doing that safely. Uh, but the um, uh, but the Legion of Honor ceremony is something I work on all year round because it does take certain qualifications for the French to uh, award this medal to our deserving World War II veterans. Uh, but uh, it's something that uh, I think it's it's just really the crown jewel of the whole program, to be honest with you. Well, very good. And that's 11 o'clock on that Saturday, the 17th of August. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, had a chance to, and, and not only had a chance, took advantage of the chance to go to Normandy in uh, France and uh, just visiting with the uh, the French and uh, seeing 
how they commemorate uh, D-Day and the liberation of France. It has not been forgotten, even with the generations that have come subsequent to the war. They see a lot of American flags and British flags uh, flying around uh, in that part of northern France. But uh, again, this is uh, going to be quite an event uh, to see. Uh, tell me about the reenactors uh, and living historians, and uh, wh where do these people come from? And, and if someone's interested, how do they get involved? Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, the reenactors that come from all over the country, if not all uh, parts of the world, we have a number of them that come from South America, believe it or not. Uh, and, of course, uh, a number from Europe as well, France and England, uh, come over, uh, and a large contingent from Canada uh, has been coming to this event for a very long time. Um, but uh, the civilian soldiers, if you will, if you want to call it that, um, the reenactors, or I, I like the term myself as a living historian. Um, and, and, of course, uh, uh, with that being said, how does someone get involved with that? First, I think you have to have a passion for history, uh, driven by maybe a member in your family that served in World War II. I had 11 uh, great uncles and my stepfather were... Um, uh, soldiers and sailors and airmen uh, in the Second World War, and of course one of them in, in my particular case is my great uh, uncle Almond Isber, and uh, Almond was killed actually on Omaha Beach on D-Day morning. So uh, obviously the, the personal connection that I have uh, to D-Day is actually having a, a relative that was killed uh, on that morning. And of course, uh, many of the other uh, men and women that uh, portray a, uh, a soldier of the past or a member of a particular unit, uh, you know, they through uh, you know video, uh, you know, movies. Of course, there's a lot of inspiration for some of the uh, the movies that are out there now. The Band of Brothers was a was a perfect example of that. I think uh, reenactors' uh, population grew by twofold after they saw the Band of Brothers, and of course, everybody wanted to be uh, 506 Easy Company, the 101st Airborne. <laughs> right. But uh, in my particular case, um, I, uh, I look at, uh, at my uncle's unit, and I have 20 fellows in my uh, 6th Naval Beach Battalion reenacted, which uh, portray his, uh, his times, their training, and also um, uh, the service that the whole battalion uh, rendered in Normandy. So um, with that, uh, how does someone get involved? Well, <laughs> sometimes you have to have deep pockets to be a reenactor, and when I mean deep pockets, uh, of course, the, the equipment and the gear, and uh, uh, of course, if you're going to be a combatant, you need a weapon. And, you know, from a, a minimum investment, I would say at this day and age, is probably about $1,800 uh, for a person to be completely equipped so they can participate in the event. And of course, uh, with that being said, uh, a, a, a rifle is, is probably the most expensive part of that uh, element. And if you were to remove that and become a medic or a chaplain or uh, many of the women that come out and they just uh, dress in period clothing, they're not spending a, a whole heck of a lot of money. But it is contagious. And uh, what I mean by contagious, once you become a reenactor and you start uh, going to events and you, and you see the effect that you have on not only the public but the veterans that are there and of course the veterans have the equal equal and opposite or not equal and opposite but equal and um, uh, attributed to uh, you know their their approval is what we're looking for mm -hmm. obviously and, well they uh, were eyewitnesses uh, go ahead they, they, no they were eyewitnesses and they, they still have vivid memories and maybe freer now to talk about their experiences in World War II than maybe they were when they were younger. But, you know, you mentioned uh, a couple of movies like uh, Band of Brothers and so on, and, and as you're talking about I'm talking about, I'm thinking of my experience uh, at, at prior D-Days there in Conneaut, and uh, the movie that comes to mind actually is Kevin Costner's movie Field of Dreams. Uh, if you've seen that movie, it has to do with uh, playing baseball with, with old... Uh, old baseball players, and he he met his father as a young man uh, at, at the baseball, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> old movie, but um, he was able to, to walk around these old baseball players and even see his father. <clears throat> There's an element of that uh, for anyone who has had a father in World War II, walking through and around the encampment where um, 
the tents and all these people in World War II uniforms uh, are around. You can almost picture what your relatives might have looked like and probably did look quite like uh, the the young people who are reenactors uh, for this World War II event uh, coming up. So if nothing else, there's there's almost a spiritual feeling you get walking through yeah. this. I, I agree, and I would say that, that for a World War II veteran coming to this event, it is very therapeutic for them, knowing that what they did 75 years ago is being remembered today. And there are young people like myself, and I'm not as young as I used to be, but uh, there are young people that are willing to spend the money to be a part of, uh, of, of, of uh, recreating their history and carrying on their legacy forward. I think the, these, these gentlemen and ladies that did service, uh, uh, did uh, do so much for us in World War II, uh, seeing a see a real um, uh, tribute to their service oh, by having our younger people do this. That'll be very good. But we only have about a minute to go. But uh, just want to to bring another element up, which is really fascinating, is that you have German reenactors, and uh, they're encamped yes. they're encamped separately, and they have all the authentic German uniforms and German weaponry and uh, equipment. And uh, I know taking my father down through the German encampment uh, was really a very eerie feeling. About how many German reenactors uh, do you expect? I think there's uh, a little over 600. So it's a pretty good mix in regards to uh, Allies versus Axis. And, uh, of course, there's a lot more Allied units than there are Axis. Uh, but uh, about 600 uh, German reenactors in two separate encampments, actually. Well, for anyone out there who has any interest in history, especially history so close to our families, World War II, uh, you know, do consider spending um, uh, Friday or Saturday. Friday the fifteenth, you're going. People can come out there yeah, also. Actually, uh, Thursday the fifteenth is the program begins at noon, runs till five, and uh, uh, that is specifically uh, dedicated to living history. So you're going to be able to immerse yourself in the encampments uh, 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 during those days, or during that day, Thursday the 15th, from noon to 5, and of course uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, beginning at 9 in the morning on Friday, and lasting till about 6 o'clock in the evening on Friday. There are two primary battles and a, a lot of veteran things that are going on too, so we have a, a huge giant uh, tent for our veterans well, to make very, sure they're undercover. Very, very good. And well, anyway, uh, we're, we're out of time, but uh, thank you so much, Eric, and it's a great free Ohio event uh, for the weekend, so consider that. And, uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning